Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast, brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. Today, episode four of our special five-part election series. Put your chin straps on, folks. We're going inside the mind of the award-winning ad maker, Will Ritter. Creativity unbridled and the trick to harnessing that power for the benefit of your campaigns. But first, how are y'all doing, gang? I love the smell of the campaign trail in the morning. It's a way of life. Keep on keeping on, Abigail Cave. The end is in sight. The end is in sight. Of course, the light at the end of the tunnel for some might just be an oncoming train. But if the final presidential debate was any indication, the issues are paramount and anything can happen. Hashtag fact. And I'm proud to say that on this podcast, we are NMBN. NMBN? No mute button needed. Oh, I got it. Well, I thank you very much. I'll be here all week. You know, we had a terrific event this week, or as you'd call it, Adam, a NABPAC-tivity. Joe Good from American Strategies briefed more than 50 NABPACers on the state of the polls as we bring this election in for landing. It was a great briefing, and I learned a good deal. Joe knows his stuff, and I was particularly impressed with the great questions people asked Michaela. No doubt. And for our member listeners, if you're having trouble making sense of the polar coaster and you missed the program, check out the replay on the NAPAC website. Yeah, I'm certainly going to. All right, buckle up. Belmar, hit the gas. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. This week's special episode of the show is brought to you by Access Marketing Services, providing full-service creative marketing solutions backed by the industry's best data, polling, and engagement strategy to ensure you reach the right people the right way with the right message. Access Marketing Services. Thanks, Adam. We're so proud to partner with Access Marketing Services. And in fact, I don't even know if you guys know, but we just recently won the Summit Creative Award uh, based on the infographic that Access Marketing designed for us related to our engagement. We're proud to work with Access Marketing Services. And now for our special guest, award-winning ad man, Will Ritter of the Poolhouse Agency based in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast, Will. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Well, we're going to go ahead and just jump right to it. When people talk about breaking through with ads and videos in the advocacy space, what does that look like in 2020? And I wonder sometime if it's even possible to cut through the noise anymore. In 2020, things are moving very quickly. And when you think you have something figured out, there's kind of a new thing on the horizon. So it does take some special effort to break through in such a crowded media environment. But what we tell our clients is that what will break through isn't a shorter video or a bigger logo on the static graphic. It is creativity. It's authenticity. It's telling a story. And if you can do that, even though that takes a lot more effort and it takes a lot more time, it is a way to break through and not just look like everything else that's out there. 
You know, our members and listeners work for some of the biggest brands and associations in the country, and the government relations, advocacy, and employee-funded PAC space is not one known for taking big risks. How risky is it to commission and then follow through on Inspired Creative? I would say, of course, as an ad maker, I don't think it's risky at all. I think that the risk is making a stock footage version of the press release and putting it out on the internet for an audience of zero. I think that's the riskiest because it's going to literally have no chance of doing what you want it to do. I'd like to go to my clients and say, here's the idea that you want. Here is the idea that I think is a little edgy. And here's something that's completely out of the box and crazy. Um, because that, I think, is the job. And we, we've been successful in that space. And I think it's because we came from a campaign background. And now the majority of our work is in the advocacy space for you know major bank advocacy groups, energy advocacy groups, manufacturers groups. And the way that we're able to do that is because we bring creative cutting edge ideas to the table, try to leverage new fun technologies. We were one of the first that was pushing the six second pre-roll while that's kind of become crowded now and it's very hard to tell a story in six seconds, we now have moved on to things like mid-roll, serial type videos and campaigns that are 360 degree campaigns that you don't just throw it out there, see if it works and let it go. You're going to build an arc and try to continue to tell a story. So I don't think it's very risky because I haven't in the eight years we've been doing this had any massive flops if, as long as you do it right and do your due diligence and do your research and, and make sure everything's tight. I think the real risk is letting a huge committee turn an idea into nothingness. That I think is the real risk because then when you have, you have something that just doesn't even come close to hitting the mark. But when you do have something which works and tells the story and, you know, I think it is the place of advocacy groups to be gutsy. Brands, have, companies have got shareholders. They're competing with other companies. If you're in the industry, employee-funded pack, you've got to be the heavy. So take the risk and, and help out your members. This series that we've done, Will, has had a lot of common themes, and you just touched on one of them. You might be going for the right result and trying a new tactic, but trying to bring all of that to a committee is hard to get it translated. And there's some personal professional risk in just being the one carrying the water here. Which is why, honestly, I think as a vendor and a consultant, we can kind of take that risk for folks. When it comes to committees and advertising generally and creativity generally, people say the camel was a horse designed by a committee. There's that famous Ogilvy anecdote of he walked into a major pitch saw a group of 40 people for a major auto company and they were gonna ring the bell when they said your pitch was over. And he said, would all 40 of you be signing off on my creative brief? And uh, they said, yes. And he said, then ring the bell. I don't want the work, which I think is, it, it always kind of inspires me in the sense that 40 people are not going to get together and come up with an idea that wows you. 40 people didn't get together and think of got milk. That was one idea that people took the risk and was wildly successful. So we try to bring that kind of thinking into the uh, advocacy space. You and your team at Full House have done work this year in the energy space, and the final presidential debate showed just how significant the policy questions around energy production are in this nation. What approach have you all taken for your clients, and has that paid off? Yeah, I think uh, the approach that we've taken is to be gutsy, to not try to win a war with a bunch of statistics, because numbers bounce off of people, especially in a crowded landscape. We want to tell a story and put a human angle to things. So... While there's a ton of negativity in the energy space around climate and solutions, and there's a lot of arguing going on, 
our job is to say, how can we tell a story that sticks up for an industry that does keep the lights on, literally, that is always innovating, that is making great strides with the climate. And let's take credit for that. Instead of always being on defense and pushing back and, oh, here's an explainer video on why these attacks are wrong, tell your own story. And, um, you know, we, we've done that by highlighting some of the people in the industry. This is not some big, scary group. This is, these are people going to work every day on the, from the ground floor on up that are trying to keep the lights on and keep America the energy producer for itself and for the world. So it's about, I think, taking a lot of information, a lot of ideas and distilling it down to the very basic, understandable, authentic concept. Because I do not look at advertising as, let's show them something so we can maybe get their email address and then we can maybe do something else with it and then we can retarget them. That's part of it. That's the conversion funnel. But when you've got their attention, that's a precious 10 seconds. That's a precious 30 seconds. Give the pitch. And maybe one out of 10 people will internalize that and it'll grow legs and they'll bring it up at the next cocktail party. So my job is how do I condense it into a sentence or two sentences or idea or an image that will stick with people, not just getting them to click, because I think that's kind of shallow. So then do you see your clients will too focused on metrics and can that be a race to the bottom when it comes to creativity? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right there. I say that all the time. It's a, it's a race to the bottom in the sense of if you were looking at views, because it's, you know, these are perceptible, these are perceptible things where you can look at metrics and you can say it's doing better and not doing better with A-B testing. I'm always the guy sticking up for creativity because if you guys think of the last great political ad you saw, or the last advocacy ad that you saw that stuck out to you, was it because you saw it 10 times? Was it because you saw it in exactly the right context on a website? Or is it because it actually said something that resonated? So I'm fighting for that because, hey, if you want video completion rates, you should do a six second. You can't tell a story in six seconds. Six seconds is an animated GIF, pretty much. So while it can help, if you want to look at, well, what's the most successful? Well, then your six second is the most successful, but people have probably forgotten about it by the time their cat video starts. That is exactly the kind of insight that we got from Eric Wilson a few weeks ago. And I think that the thing that I'm most interested in, Will Ritter, is sort of a technical nuance that I want to get into with you here. We have, for lack of a better word, a sort of TikTokification. Things are getting shorter. They're getting even pithier. And yet there's a part of the pack in the digital video space that's going another way. You talked about having things that were serial, that built. Help us understand the trade-offs, the benefits of short content, longer content. Does something work if it meets the criteria of creativity despite its length? Absolutely. I think you can make it work in every box. And I think that a, a successful campaign will you know, have a base 30 or a base serial or a base long form, and then be able to do all the derivations, right? We want, we still, we want to follow people around and we want to be ubiquitous. Um, but it does start with that idea first and just copying the latest trend. People at the end of the day, they internalize who's the speaker, right? And I've talked about this a lot when we talk about super PAC ads versus campaign ads, right? Why do super PAC ads that cost so much more money and they run so many more of them have so less of an effect? Well, I actually believe in the, the intelligent media consumer theory, which is people rate what they're watching based on who they think's talking. And if it's for the Americans for America PAC, well, then they don't give it any credibility 
because they have no idea who's speaking to them. You have to establish a human connection and say, hey, we are members of the industry. I have kids, I go to work, I drive to work the same as you do, I've got goals. So let's tell that beautiful story. Let's shoot it. Let's, um, you know, when we do a shoot, we bring Hollywood style uh, production and we just, we don't, we don't cheap out because you're going to be going back to the well and using that footage, using those stills, using those high-end photos for, to, to populate every sort of campaign in the future, whether it's web or TV or, or anything. So yeah, I, I think that it's all about quality in, quality out. That is a really, really important point. Michaela, you've heard me make it before. If you are going to the store, you've got to get all the ingredients you're going to need to make dinner. And the chances are you could make a whole bunch of other things. And what Will is talking about is when folks commission new creative and they think about storytelling, you go out there not with the end product in mind, but to connect with people, to get all of the raw materials and then bring it back to the pool house and have the chefs get to work on it. Right. I mean, we've gone there and I'll give a short little example. We went out there to film uh, someone who works on pipelines and it turns out that they love doing lassoing and they could lasso a calf from 50 yards. And what do you think we spent most of the day filming? We were supposed to just do him talking about the industry. Instead, we got some great stuff. Now that image has gone in a lot of places and I think it sticks with people and it, you know, it hooks them and now they, they're a little more uh, open to the argument. So you kind of have to start exploring it and, and have the willingness to take, take a risk or you're going to end up with an animated press release. I think these are all such important points. I mean, if you think about the anti quote unquote corporate PAC messaging that's going on right now, the employee funded PAC community is is painted as these big corporate behemoths when it's everyday hardworking Americans that are giving their hard earned dollars to support their organization's activities. And so we have to do a better job in showcasing who each of our employees are. They're not the big C-suite executives. The average PAC contribution to an employee-funded PAC is $316 over the course of a year. And they probably are sick of hearing unanswered opposition and want somebody to go to bat for them. So I think, you know, our background of coming from the campaign sector, you know, we, we're brawlers. Um, and, we, you know, we have, uh, we're, we're looking at how can we push a message in a very short period of time. It's a little more open with advocacy of longer goals and longer arcs, but it still has got to do something. And just uh, making sure everybody on the conference call has, you know, weighed in with their little piece. That's not my metric of success. My metric of success is somebody saying that they saw something that we did out in the wild and it had them conceptualize, wow, I didn't even know what this group did. And now I know more about their side. I think people want to be proud of what they do. And, uh, somebody to stick up for. So, you know, as we all prepare for the 117th Congress and a 2021 ruled by the ongoing pandemic, how should our listeners think about innovating with their video creative? It takes more than a good idea to successfully run the gauntlet of a pack board and then demonstrate success. I think they should start thinking about what the most human and authentic and simple way that they could communicate what they do or the, the issue that they're trying to deal with. Start there and then find ways to put some meat on the bones of that. Like you said, don't start with an end goal. Don't say, well, we have to get all 20 of these points in. Start with, if you were at a cocktail party and said, somebody said, oh, really? That's the institute you're with. That's the association you're with. What do they do? How would you describe it to them? Because you definitely wouldn't start by saying, 
for 122 years. You know, <laughs> that's not how it would go. You would you'd be more human about it. So how can we translate that into something that's eye-catching, that looks more like corporate advertising, that's slick and fun, and maybe pulling on some of those recent trends, social, that kind of deal. How can we make it fun? And then we'll pare it down to get it over the finish line if we have to. But let's start from a place of creativity and authenticity. Abigail, you're out there in Wyoming. You've been working on a United States Senate campaign. What kind of ad creative are you seeing on the airwaves out there? So we actually get a lot of Colorado ads and the oversaturation that we talked about at the beginning is too real. It's basically... Show, Cory Gardner, John Hickenlooper, Super Pack, Cory Gardner, John Hickenlooper, Super Pack. You know, you're right. The creativity gets lost in the oversaturation and the numbers start to bounce off your head. And I don't know who believes what anymore because it all blends together. Biggest thing I'm taking away from this conversation right now is you got to do something bold. You got to do something creative to kind of stand out from the rest of the crowd. I think a bold message and also, you know, having some guts with the placement and how you put it out. I did a presentation here in Richmond. Uh, Virginia to a bunch of elementary school kids about, you know, what is advertising? And I said, I started it off with, what are some kinds of advertising? And a little kid yells out, video games. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, video games on your phone. There's ads before you get to the next level. And I was like, really? What, what games? And all of a sudden I'm taking notes. I had no idea that this was, I mean, I knew that there was ads and games, but I didn't know that this was something that kids are responding to and watching. Now, you know, maybe kids aren't the audience, but it got my got my wheels turning and saying, why wouldn't we want to find a correct venue in this space to get it out there? It's got to be an all of the above because that's how you break through. Like you're talking about in Colorado, right? You see, there's a commercial break with five ads, two for, two against, and one from an outside group. You haven't internalized any of those. But if you could see one that was catchy, then you got a mail piece that was the same. Then you saw something retargeting online. And then you heard, you know, something on the Pandora, Spotify, TikTok, that is when you might have a chance to really break through somebody who's not trying to listen to the message, but just running another thousand grips behind it on the same channels, you're going to get diminishing returns. I love good advertising and mostly because it's the kind of stuff that you want to emulate. There's something about the economy of words when you have the right words, they just carry so much within them. One of the things I saw this year was a campaign. I don't even know who did it. It was something like, we're on it. And it was in that energy space, Will, right? Because people were yep. sort of like... That, that was, yeah, that was, that was us. Um, that was you? Yeah, that was us uh, taking, not me, that was us. But, you know, that was us really trying to get a, a when I said distilling it, right? And in the energy space, I honestly don't think people think that energy companies have horns or that they're evil, but they wanted to see that there was some responsibility. And we're on it was a way to not be defensive and provide a frame to talk about great things that were happening in the industry on the environmental side and the easy to understand. Everybody knows what those three words mean and it didn't need to be a long deal. So yeah, that, that was that was a fun one to do. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I think you've given us a lot to think about, not only for just NABPAC, but for the larger employee-funded PAC community. So uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. Happy to do it. Pleasure to come back anytime you want me. Thanks, Will. Coming up next week, part five of the Facts About PAC's election special. Where we will tackle the tough side of diversity, equity, and inclusion and why getting it right is so much more important than you might think. Thank you to all of our listeners for making us the number one packed podcast in America. Until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.